Hi, Becoming <laughs> Eva fans. Welcome to the Daddy Issues episode. Yes, yes. <laughs> we talking that daddy ish. Okay, I had to get a little, little risque for y'all. All right, so, but yeah, all things daddy, all things daddy related, good, bad, ugly, indifferent. We are talking about it, so we're here for y'all, and we actually have a special guest this evening, a great friend of mine, Spellman's sister, Mrs. Kia Stevens. Hey, Becoming Eva tribe women, great to talk <laughs> yes. to you tonight. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Well, my name is Kia Stevens, and about five years ago, I started a blog to help women exchange their father wounds for the love of God the Father, uh, whether that meant they had father wounds by way of divorce, abandonment, abuse, incarceration, drug addiction, uh, premature death, or physically present, but an emotionally absent father. And um, shortly after I did that, I also started a group um, for Christian women communicators of color called Entrusted Women, where we help to equip Christian women communicators of color. So that's a little bit about me. You may have seen me writing out there, um, write for Proverbs. I wrote for Beloved Women, um, I believe, and some other places. So that's just a little bit about me. Woohoo! And you have a book on the way, right? I do. I do have a book that will be released um, in 2023, um, Overcoming Father Wounds, um, basically still the same premise of helping women to exchange their wounds for the love of God. That is awesome. Well, y'all, if you don't know, you're about to know, we're we about to get into it. But first... You know, let's let's just do some check-ins. How's everybody doing? How's your week been? Anybody want to weigh in on how their week has been? Busy. It's always busy. <laughs> it's always busy over here, too. Yeah, I've got four cool. kids, Kia, so <sighs> they yeah. keep me busy with the extracurricular activities, doctor's appointments, work, <laughs> everything. I bet. I bet. Never I a moment. Four kids and working full time. So I'm like, that's a whole nother. Yeah. That's, that's a, a lot. Nother. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> but we know how her week has been. Yes. Yes. So we're glad to have a little space that we can carve out for us to just hone in and talk with one another. Okay. So before we dive into tonight's topic, we are going to talk about some trending topics. So let's talk about what's trending. Okay. First, there was a popular, uh, there was a reboot, I should say, of a popular show that launched this weekend uh, or this week by the name of Wonder Years. So do we have any fans of the original Wonder Years? You know, any, uh uh-huh, (laughs) uh-huh. I love that. I grew up on the Wonder Years, although I can't read. Only person's name I can remember is Topanga. I think I secretly. No, that's when, that's Boy Meets World. Another oh, my God. <laughs> well, Winnie. The same girl. What was her name? Winnie. It was Winnie. Winnie. That's right. Winnie Cooper. <laughs> yep, Winnie Cooper. <laughs> okay, it's back now. But I mean, I love that. I love that whole kind of middle school saga-ish type thing. And I'm glad that they did a Black version. I think that's going to be great. All right. Okay. So it sounds like you're here for it, Kia. What about your toy? I won't be watching it. I probably, (laughs) but I am here for it. Okay. okay. Um, I did watch a few episodes growing up. Now, my husband, (laughs) 
such a TV person and I know he's watched like every single episode of Wonder Years. Um, but I am excited to see what it's going to be like portrayed as a Black family. So that is very intriguing. Very, very, very. So we'll see. We'll see. I don't know how ratings have done yet, but we'll see how it goes and go from there. So keep your eyes peeled for Wonder Years, the uh, African-American edition. <laughs> we'll, yes. we'll, start, we'll call yeah. it that, okay? All right. And the next trending topic I wanted to kind of get everyone to weigh in on is uh, a kind of an unlikely pairing here, an unlikely duo, if you will. Courtney Kardashian and Megan Fox have launched an underwear line. Now, they are trending because they decided to post topless for one of their ads. So the question is, what are your thoughts on... Uh, risque posing if you will like topless posing now i mean they're not like full frontal but it's very you know revealing very uh it alludes to okay you ain't got no top on what are your thoughts <laughs> it's not for me um i would never do it <laughs> but i definitely think body is art so i didn't actually see you know, what the poses look like, um, if it's artistic, mm -hmm. um, you know, cause even when I had my belly bump, I did some, some photos with like with some skin showing like my belly oh, out. I mean, <laughs> I'm oh. not going to post it on social media now. <laughs> All right. I'm not doing that, but, um, some personal photos. Cause I definitely think body is art, but I, it's not for me. I would not, <laughs> I would not be posting it. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, you kind of answered my next question as to whether or not you would pose topless. So, and it, you know, like you said, not to post on social media even, but just, you know, maybe for your private catalog, maybe to keep it spicy in the bedroom. Like, would you ever, you know, capture some topless pictures for any reason, particularly? <laughs> It's like, I don't know. I I probably would not. And after things have kind of gone south, I'm still trying to get my pandemic pounds back in the right location. And so no, because that wouldn't be cute. It wouldn't, it wouldn't even be cute me trying to pose topless because then they'd probably skip the top and go to the bottom and the mid-range and be like, wow, what is that? Oh so I, I personally don't think so. You know, I don't I don't necessarily know that they would have to have posed like that to sell their their underwear. Like people are probably gonna buy it anyways just because of their names. So yeah, yeah. You know. I got you. I got you. You're right. And and the next thing I thought of with these two women, because first I was like, were they dating the same guy? They're dating the same type of guy. They're both in relationships with the bad boy, if you will. Like uh, Megan Fox is dating Machine Gun Kelly and uh, Kim Kardashian, or Kim Courtney, her sister Kardashian is dating Travis Barker. And um, both of them were previously married or in previous relationships where they have um, multiple children. So these are moms, you know, with school-age children, but they out here running these, street, running these streets with these bad boys. So I guess the question is like, what is it about bad boys? Like, were y'all ever attracted to a bad boy? And if so, why? Uh, 
I was, I, I was, um, and what was the attraction? I don't know. I don't know if it was just maybe the, maybe it was the lure of the, the bad or the mystique of the badness, you know, cause I, I've always been in the church and tried way straight laced, but you know, there was this part of me that was sinful, <laughs> Let's just say sinful, you know. Um, and I think also you got to look at the core of maybe is there something in internally inside of them that is drawing them to this particular type of man? Yeah, yeah. No, I feel you. I feel you. My yeah. first one was a bad boy, and I was like Kia, grew up in the church up. Uh, Pentecostal so I don't know if you guys know much about Pentecostal but very straight lace wear your long uh you know dresses and skirts, <laughs> skirts no makeup no you know all of that um and my first boyfriend I would consider was a bad boy um and I think he kind of gave me a feeling of like my maybe like a protection um mm. and it could have been like he was a football player um muscular just like maybe it was a physical appearance and but he had some anger problems so <laughs> I mean he's a bad boy he just might yeah mm. like yeah. if anyone like any other guy would talk to me it would just send him over the edge like those type of anger problems <laughs> Ooh yeah got you. got you but you do bring up a good point as far as that whole protection piece i think oftentimes we feel like we need a certain type of man to be perceived a certain way by others in order for us to feel protective so or protected excuse me so very interesting comment so all right y'all are we ready to talk daddy ish yes yes, yes. get into it all right. So first and foremost, we're going to talk about who's your daddy. Who is your daddy? Like, who is he? <laughs> What's your relationship like? So um, actually, let's start with you, Kia. If you could share a little bit about your parents and uh, if you were raised in the same household as your father and just a little bit about what your childhood relationship with your dad was like. Sure. So my parents got divorced when I was just a baby. Um, my dad is a foreigner and he is 10 years, my mother's junior. Mm -hmm. Um, so when they got together, there was already like massive hurdles that they would have to overcome in order to remain married. And so it just did not work out. And initially I had court ordered visit visitations with my father. Then after that, I went to some unsupervised, those were in a supervised location. Then I went to unsupervised. Then I went to periodic gifts left on the front porch of my grandparents' home and maybe a phone call and maybe I'd see him to just really, there was a season where I didn't see him at all. Um, and so I do have a relationship with my father today uh, because I started to pursue my dad after I realized 
when I got to college that I really missed something and I wanted to have a father in my life. And so that's a whole, that's a whole nother conversation. Yes. You know, cause you can pursue somebody that you perceive is going to be one type of way, but then in your pursuit, you have to realize who that person actually is. And there's some acceptance that's involved. Um, and just, um, peace that you have to make with yourself and with what is with reality that you can't change yeah so um now it's probably the best place that I've ever been with my dad uh we chat on a regular basis um I accept who he is that's that's who he is you know that's the father that the Lord gave me and so I don't look to him to meet any of my needs uh, I look to the Lord and I am able to love him and bless him as as God sees fit so that's my dad in short. I don't know if you wanted all that. I tried to you, take you full circle. You get yeah, you gave me the high level cliff notes, but we're gonna come back on some sure. of that because because yeah. a lot of women are like, that sounds amazing. How in the world did she get there? Don't <laughs> worry, we coming back to that. We gotta figure out how she got there because that right there, that that in-between part is the needed hey. part. So we're coming. we coming back to that. Okay. okay. All right. Okay. So Toya, tell us a little bit about your initial relationship with your father. Um, so I did not grow up with my biological father. Um, my parents were divorced when I was a baby as well. So I didn't really know him. Um, and then my mom, she got remarried, um, to my stepdad, um, who I call my dad or daddy, um, because that's the only person that, that I knew growing up was my my daddy, even though he was my stepdad, he never treated me like a stepdaughter. He always treated me just like, like I was his daughter. Um, so throughout my childhood, um, through my teenage years, I can only remember talking um, to my biological father a couple of times, like can count on one, maybe two hands um until I moved here and went to college um in Atlanta Oglethorpe um he stayed in Georgia and I lived in Missouri and that's really when I guess I started to develop some type of relationship with him um but yeah that's that's the relationship so far I gotcha. Okay. So I would say for me, my parents were never married. They dated. I almost really want to say casually, but I mean, I would consider them to be in a relationship when I was conceived, but, um, but yeah, I was born out of wedlock and I didn't find out till I was an adult that my mom did not tell my father right away that she was having a baby. And I mean, that was for a plethora of other reasons, which we'll probably get into <laughs> during next week's episode. But um, but yeah, so I think I was about one when my father found out that I was here and um, he was there. He, he stepped up to the plate financially. I never wanted for anything. Child support was never an issue, but uh, physically and emotionally, he was very distant. Um, I think my mom used to take me to visit him, you know, ever so often. But when I was six, 
Um, or yeah, when I was six, we moved out of the same city into a, a neighboring suburb. And then when I was seven, we relocated from Indiana to Minnesota. So at that point, it's, you know, a drive. And so really, I didn't see him at all unless we were in town visiting family. And so, you know, we would connect, we do, you know, dinner, he, you know, buy a gift or whatever, the usual questions, how are you doing, how school, and that was kind of the extent of our relationship. Do you need anything? He would definitely ask those questions. But I was a professional when it comes to the one word answers, yes, no, and fine were my like, that was it, you know, and he was not one to really spark much conversation. And I wasn't in a position where I was like, I'm not taking the lead in this relationship. Like I was very much like, you know, I'm here. What are you going to do? I'm here. So all that to say, we were, um, our meetings were very sporadic. Um, so I, he was, yeah, he was, not physically and emotionally present at all for me growing up. So, yeah. So let's transition. Well, actually, before we transition into adulthood, I want to have a quick conversation about, because there's oftentimes conversations on, you know, daddy versus father, you know, some people say sperm donor, whatever you want to call it. But do you feel like there's a difference when you use the word dad or daddy versus father? And if so, like, what do you think the difference is? Or how would you distinguish between the two? Yeah, father, for me, it, it feels like the biological definition of, you know, what the man does he can he does contribute to sperm with the egg mm -hmm. to, to produce the baby um and dad and daddy it it definitely feels more affectionate you know there's some emotion attached to that you know daddy if you say dad that's my daddy you yeah. know um th there's some experiences that have occurred to in order yes. for you to say this word daddy yeah you know but you know, it just depends. I, I say dad. Um, I don't know. And then sometimes father feels more formal. So I actually looked it up because I was like, well, I don't know. You know, I've been doing this. But I will say when I was trying to um, come up with a title for the book, um, I went on to Facebook and put out there, I put daddy and put father and like what, what resonates with you. A lot of people said when it comes to daddy issues, they associate that with like a promiscuous woman. Like mm -hmm. they, they, there's a baby daddy. Kind of, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like baby daddy kind of. Yeah. Like there's a connotation that they automatically hear when they hear daddy issues. So I was like, oh, okay. They was like, don't use that. <laughs> <laughs> don't use that one you know but um and then with father I was talking to you guys earlier about fatherless um not everybody identifies with this term fatherless because they'll say well I do have a father but he was physically um present but emotionally absent or he was aloof or he was distant he was abusive he was these things but he was there but I think a lot of people can identify with father wound there's a there's a knower for every woman i believe of what a father should do what what they see a father a father figure how they should behave um so i think you know internally we have some um expectations and assumptions that we we associate with the word father yeah 
So I've, I've always been perplexed about what to call my biological father because I grew up calling my stepdad daddy um which is who he was like he was emotionally there physically there like he was my person taking care of me when I was sick taking me to all of my extracurricular games and just he was my dad um and so when my biological father came into the picture um I know there was like you know like financial things that he did not really contribute to when I was younger um so a lot of times when my mom would even mention him it was not in a positive light um so when I actually came down here um you know he was like call me dad and I was a little taken back by that because I was like you're like, I kind of just met you, like, <laughs> and I, I have a dad, the one that, you know, has been call, uh, like raising me. Um, so I've always been perplexed with like what I felt comfortable calling him because it does not uh, naturally come out of my mouth. Like when, when we do even interact like now, it's still very like force, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you call your stepdad dad or daddy, right? Mm-hmm. That's and my daddy. Do you and then my biological you- father, for me, it's more comfortable to call him what my my kids call him. Um, they call him Papa and his mm-hmm. name. Um, and so <laughs> a lot of times when I'm interacting, I'll just say Papa. So, you know. I don't Mm -hmm. want to say his name out loud, but Mm -hmm. um, that's more comfortable for me. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I will. And sometimes I will say dad, um, but it's very forced. (laughs) It doesn't come out naturally, you know, Um, because I know that's what he said. He wanted me to call him. Mm -hmm. It's definitely not anything that is um, natural. That makes sense. Gotcha. No, that definitely makes sense. Yeah. yeah, I call my dad dad. Um, I never called him daddy. Um, never called him father. I think dad for me was like right in the middle where it was like, I, you know, I, I want to reverence you, but you ain't daddy. You ain't like, oh, daddy, like you're dad. So, yeah. What about you, Kia? What did you call your father growing up? Oh, I, uh, I don't know if I called him. I don't remember calling my, I, my dad, my dad. And that's what I still call him today, dad. Okay. All right, cool. So let's transition into adulthood. Like how did, and Kia, you alluded to this a little bit um, when you, you know, grew into adulthood, like how did your relationship with your dad change? Um, I mean, there's been many evolutions uh, of our relationship, but I think I always start with when I first realized that I had some issues and Mm -hmm. I was, I was in college. I was in a a friend of mine's dorm room and she said, um, she alluded to this bookshelf that was in her corner, in the corner. And I don't know how we started talking about it or whatever, but she's like, yeah, I made that bookshelf with my dad. Mm -hmm. And I don't know 
if I was PMSing, I don't know, but it hit me like a ton of bricks wow. that the affection she had attached to the word dad, the fact that they had spent time building this bookshelf together. And I was like, I've never done anything like that with my dad. I don't have a relationship uh, with my father. And it was all I could do, all I could do to make it out of her dorm room, walk down the hall. My, my, my dorm room was at the end of the hallway and get into my room and boo-hoo-hoo. Um, you know, and so I was what eight, I was 18 when that happened. And I remember confiding in with a friend and just like sharing with her what happened to me. And ironically, she also had had a situation with her father. Um, and so she told me about what she did to build a relationship with her dad. She sent him a letter and she detailed like in chronological order everything that he missed and and then from there they started a relationship and I was like bada bing bada bang you know I'm about to do the same thing so I wrote my father a detailed letter I mean I went back to maybe not preschool but elementary middle high and I did this and I did that and I did this and then at the end I said I want to have a relationship uh, with you and he was open to that. And so we started corresponding via letter. Um, and then when I would go back home from college, I would initiate these outings. And it took me like, let's go do this or come over for Christmas or come over for such and such. Not really consulting with my mother that much about that. So not even realizing, you know, this is a whole process that I'm taking her through as I'm trying to mm -hmm get a relationship with my dad and we've since talked about that but did not realize until probably I don't know maybe late 20s early 30s or mid 30s that I am the initiator in this relationship that I am living in some sort of fantasy world that if I pursue him hard enough I love him hard enough I give him gifts enough I'm going to somehow make him into this fantasy father that I've created in my brain. <laughs> yeah, I just made him up in my brain. I said, this is who we're going to be. And this is what our relationship is going to look like. And I know I can make it happen. I'm, I mean, I'm a, I'm a positive person to a fault, you know, but it took me, um, I would say, kind of bumping up against reality where, where I would see things and be like, oh my God. But my fantasy was coming in strong. You know, I was fighting for that fantasy. And then I would have another bump against reality, you know, experiencing things in his life and being like, oh. I was like, oh no, we're going to get that fantasy. And it, it just took me having to bump up against reality enough times to realize, you know, snap out of it. You, you snap out of it. You cannot just add water and stir and get this sort of Cosby show, he's Cliff and Denise, or he's Cliff and Vanessa, or he's Cliff and Rudy, you, you're not going to get that, which now we all know that was a big, big fantasy, you know, um, you can't do that, so there was a lot of growing up that I had to 
um, face in terms of letting go of this little girl inside of me, which all of us have, if we have daddy issues or father wounds or whatever, there's a little girl inside of us that's saying, love me, hold me, um, affirm me, value me, say that I'm, I'm beautiful and I'm, I'm worthy. Um, I had to tell that little girl, you know what, this father that you imagine, he ain't coming. He is not coming. And you need to pack your bags and leave because now you're a grown up. You're, you're a grown woman and, and you need to, um, you know, thinking about the, the serenity prayer, accept the things that you cannot change, have courage to change the things that you can and the wisdom to know the difference. Amen. Wow. Amen. Ooh. Kia. Ooh. Wow. Okay. That was a lot, Kia. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. It just comes on up. No, <laughs> that, it was wonderful. It was. Yeah. Awesome. Do you, you want to share? I hope it was encouraging, but I hope it was, you know, encouraging. And I think that um, there is a freedom that we all can experience when we surrender to to what is. You know, mm. we spend so much of our lives warring against what we don't want and what we can't control and trying to change it and 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 put this I'm gonna put this square peg into this round hole if it kills me you know and and what does that do it stressing us out we tired woe out frustrated disgusted angry you know and when we finally just say you know what God I can't change this I can't change him help me to know peace right here in the midst of this unideal situation and circumstance. This is not what I would have chosen for myself. I would have selected a mother and father that loved each other passionately, you know, and had me and had some siblings and, and stayed together all their days. And a father that talked to me about sex and took me to my volleyball games and went to my basketball. This is not what I wanted but this is what I have. And you say that I can have an abundant life right here in this place. You say I can know peace that surpasses all understanding. You say that in your word that God help me, help me to experience it. If it's possible, help me to experience it. Mm. All right. I can't wait to read your book. can't wait to get it out there I cannot wait to get it out there um my heart aches for for little girls that that grew up like me for teenage teenage girls that grew up like me for young women and adult women um I can I can see it in them I can I can see the neediness we were talking about bad boys earlier I was like you know quite honestly there was some neediness in me that was attracted to that you know there was some because those bad boys, to be honest, they just wanted to get in my pants, you know? And so that's another, that's another byproduct of growing up without a father is that our fathers should be our entrance into the opposite sex. They should teach us how a man should treat a woman. But if our father is not there, then we go out there and, and figure it out for ourselves, often with detrimental results. You know, and so often we, we, gra we gravitate to these guys that they're not affirming us for our intellect 
or for who we are as a person, they're affirming our body parts, our breast, our butt, our thighs, our whatever, because the neediness is visible. We might can't see it, but it is very visible to the opposite sex. They know who they can probably try and pull or try and, you know, so that's what I was really thinking about Kim. I mean, Courtney and Megan, but we're gonna leave them out of this. I'm not saying they got father issues. I'm not saying that, but I am <laughs> saying something. You yeah. form your own opinions. Form your own opinions. Yes. Um, yes, we will form our own opinions. Okay, so I I'm like, we gotta get to these healing choices. It's yeah, but let me before we before we get there, let me ask Toy, if there's anything you wanted to share about how your relationship changed once you entered into adulthood. I know you talked a little bit about moving here to Atlanta. Was there anything else you wanted to share regarding that? Um, so once I moved here to Atlanta, um, I still didn't really talk to him very often. And I would see him, you know, maybe around holidays or just occasionally uh it wasn't anything that was like consistent so we weren't really spending quality time together um it would happen like every so often and a lot of times I felt like I was an inconvenience if I did ask for help with like my car or something because I was here by myself and so normally my daddy my stepdad was like my person like who would give me an oil change for my car and just like he was just my person and I was here in Atlanta by myself um you just trying to like navigate the real world and over time um I don't think our relationship really started to grow um until I got married um, after I got married um, and started having kids, I feel like he started to kind of come around. And I think um, his wife um, started to try to encourage it more. Um, but when I was in college, him and his wife ended up having a daughter. And so, uh, you know, I was, of course, grown and they had this new baby girl and of course they're still married and so I have a little sister and I watched him be a father or a dad or daddy to his little girl um his daughter my sister and sometimes that's hurtful to watch for me um because she gets to develop all these memories with him, spend all this quality time, go on trips. Like he is a dad to her. So I will never have that type of experience um, with him because like you said, Kia, I'm an adult woman now. I, I have, I have a husband, I have my own kids. Like, so sometimes a little girl in me um, definitely feels hurt when I watch how he is a father to her um, because he was not a dad for me. And even now that I'm grown, I still feel like there's uh, room for improvement, like trying to reconcile the relationship more. Um, so similar to what you did, I ended up sending him a letter 
um, about how I felt and I needed to release it and get it off of me because I definitely had some unforgiveness down in my heart. And right around the time we were getting ready to uh, start becoming Eva, um, the Holy Spirit kind of like was tugging on me and saying, you need to deal with this. And so I ended up writing him like a 10 page letter and just expressing like all of my feelings. I went all the way back till I was a little girl and um, just got it all out. And I guess at the end, I kind of hoped that it would spark some change, I guess. Kind of like what you said, like I had a vision of what a father should be like be like and I had an example like my stepdad you know he was emotionally there physically there spiritually there financially there for me so I had a a vision in my head of how my biological father would kind of come around but um you know I have come to the realization that I have to accept him for who he is and he may not ever change to the way that I envision he should change or because I, I I have ideas of like what I would do um, to try to reconcile the relationship or like um, even try to make up for it with your grandkids. Um, so his wife, I know, kind of pushes things to like help cultivate um, our relationship, but ultimately it's not her responsibility um, to do. And anyways, that's where I am with, with our relationship. It's a process. Next. It's a process. It is. Um, it's funny. I think we all did the letter, um, but y'all sent yours. I didn't send mine. I didn't I didn't send mine. Oh, you didn't send yours? Oh, okay. Oh, but- I, I sent mine. Amen. No, I mean, that's courageous. Like I commend you. I um, actually have found myself in counseling in my mid twenties, which is for a whole nother topic. But, um, but yes, I was in counseling talking with a therapist and she actually um, told me about a book Oh my gosh, why is the name? Because all I can think about now is your book, Kia. So I'm like, it wasn't called Father Wounds. It wasn't called Father Wounds. But um, I think you told Healing the Father Wound. Didn't you tell me about that? I told you the book. I cannot remember the name, y'all. I'll, I'll, if when I remember, I'll put it in the chat. But it was a book that I read and it really gave me some incredible insight to my father and men in general and how like something clicked for me when I realized my father never, he, he, he made sure I never wanted for anything. And so for him in his mind, I think providing for me financially was taking care of me. Meanwhile, I'm like deprived of all kind of emotional and physical support. But for him, it's like, I ask you whenever we talk, do you need anything? And in my mind, I'm like, I don't need a check. Like, well, a check is nice, but I need like a conversation. I need, you know, a daddy daughter dance. I need 
someone to talk to me about the opposite sex. So I, it took me a while for that to register like that was his way of making sure I was taken care of. Um, it did, did not excuse any of the other stuff that I missed, but at the same time, it really helped me to um, see things a bit from his perspective. And so um, I did write the letter and I did um, really just take time to articulate and reveal everything that I was feeling as far as our relationship was concerned. Like, I mean, and then even the whole words piece, like I remember uh, I had to have been like 13 or 14 and I have always, y'all have heard me say this before, I have always struggled with my weight. So this was at an awkward adolescent time when I'm looking frumpy, feeling frumpy. And I was over my dad's house and he said, you're getting a little big, ain't you? And I don't know if he meant like big, like you're getting tall, you're getting older, or if he really meant like you're getting a little thick, you're getting a little round. I don't know. But how I took it was you getting a little thick, you're getting a little round. And when I tell you, like I came home in tears, I think I made it home but I was in tears and my mom was like, what is wrong? And so when I finally told her, I didn't find out until after the fact that she called and gave him a piece of her mind, but still like I did, it was in that moment that I realized like how important a man's words, most importantly, your father's words are like that I didn't, I don't think I realized in, until that moment that he could like break me with his words like that. And it could have been, like I said, I have no idea what the motive was to this day, but I can tell you how I perceived it. And I can tell you how it made me feel. And it hurt me to the core. So I literally had to like, just go back and recount all of those things and really articulate how he made me feel um, and how I struggled with our relationship up until that point, you know, um, my father has since passed away. Um, but I can say at the time of his passing, we were at a good place. Now it was hard, a hard road to get there. Um, and constantly to your point, Kia, having where I had to take the initiative, but, um, it's work. It really is. So we're going to get into the work and into the healing choices that we have to make in order to um, either A, restore our relationship with our father or reconcile the relationship that we have with our father. The fact that it's not going to be what we thought it would be or that we can't get back to that. So Toya, I'll have you kind of lead us through some of the healing choices that we can make. Um, yeah. As it relates to our daddies or our fathers. So for me, um, his wife um, gave us the idea of doing like family dinners, like mm -hmm. every once, once a month. Um, and we would alternate over each other's homes. Like I'll make dinner for the family and then they'll come over. And then the next month um, we'll go to their house and we would just alternate. Uh, we did that. Uh, right before the pandemic started okay. and then the pandemic started and we kind of uh, stopped doing that um, but that's one thing or one step that we've 
recently implemented and I don't know when we'll go back to the family dinners um, again, but they do try to show up for my daughter's uh, and now my son, uh, like birthday parties and holidays. And we try to go over there. Um, we just try to like spend some quality time together. Mm-hmm. You know, I was um, thinking about this book while y'all were talking called uh, Captivating, I think it's Unveiling the Mysteries of a Woman's Soul. It's by mm-hmm. John and Stacey Eldridge. And uh, in the book, Stacey tells a story about she put on this dress and she gets on top of this coffee table and she's twirling and dancing around and she's looking for the affirmation of a father. And she says, a lot of us are, you know, getting on top of this coffee table, um, you know, hypothetically, and we're twirling around and we're, we're looking for somebody to tell us, you know, you're beautiful, you're pretty, blah, blah, blah. And, but for most of us, what we hear is that girl, get off the top. <laughs> get off the coffee table, you know, and for a little girl, and both of you have described those things, you know, it's, it wounds you, it wounds you, and I'm, I um, alluded to that little girl earlier, and said, you know, just tell her to pack up her bags and leave, but really, it's not fully like that, um, because you have to grieve every experience, every painful experience that you have had with your father, and for I'm going to just take a risk and say Black women, particularly, um, we have become accustomed to taking our wounds, putting a makeshift Band-Aid up on it, you know, and and keeping it moving. Our mothers did it. Our grandmothers did it. We do it. You know, we we walking around with patches, Band-Aids all on us, and we going to work, and we raising the kids. And we're cooking the food and we go into church and we're doing all the things and we got these patched up band-aids all over the place. So my healing choice would be to acknowledge the pain and grieve, acknowledge, acknowledge it. That hurt me when I was seven. And you said, um, why you got that dress on, get off the coffee table. That hurt. I'm not saying stay there. But I am saying acknowledge it and grieve. And, and you know, grief is not linear. <laughs> grief is a spider web. <laughs> you can be at Target in the shoe aisle. Come on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And see a, a father put some new shoes on his toddler daughter. And you'd be like, girlfriend, it's okay. If that's you and you, I'm going to tell you to cry. I'm going to say cry because it's healthy. It is healthy to acknowledge that this hurt me. If we don't acknowledge that this hurt me, then how how are we going to get some help? Yeah. How on earth are we ever going to get help if we never say I'm hurting here? If we're Mm -hmm. constantly masking it and covering up covering it up. Um, and then I would say, after you acknowledge it, after you begin to grieve, then I would say, take the necessary steps to forgive. And it might be, you have to walk yourself through a process of forgiving every single incident mm. because the devil, he got a memory and our body has a memory. And so it's going to come back up 
or something else is going to, you know, jar your memory, you'll see something and that has to be forgiven again. Like, you know what? I forgive you in Jesus name. And then I always say, Lord, help my mind and my, my heart to follow suit. I'm going to consciously as an act of my will relinquish my right to hold you responsible for the wrong that you have done to me. I am not dismissing. I'm not denying. I'm not excusing. You did do some wrong. What I am doing is relinquishing my right to hold you responsible. And I'm going to do it again and again and again because forgiveness is for me. It is not for him. It is. It ain't for nobody but for me, for my health and my wellness my well-being, my my mindset, my attitude, attitude, everything, everything is for me. Amen. Amen. Yes. <sighs> and I just had a friend uh, when I was kind of telling her like how I was feeling and she was just like, you're grieving. Um, it's definitely like a, a process when you grieve a relationship or um, all the different different random times that it comes up even though you know I say that I have forgiven him but it comes up especially like when I watch him like raise his daughter and you know they get to have birthday parties and just different things that I didn't I never had those type of experiences so I know that it still hurts and it still bothers me um and I have to grieve every time that it comes up. It just randomly will come up. And I know it, I'm sure it's going to come up in other times, like maybe like, you know, like when she's getting married or just other times in life, it's going to come up and I'm going to have to grieve and I'm going to have to forgive. And I need those reminders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, and you know what? The beautiful thing is that um, I was just reading through the Beatitudes um, yesterday, um, the scripture that says, blessed are they that mourn, Mm -hmm. for they shall be comforted. Amen. That's a promise. That is a promise. He didn't say, well, this is the caveat. You got to be mourning about um, the loss of something such and such or the death, or you got to be mourning about this. No, he just said mourn. Whatever you are mourning, if you are grieving what your father did to you when you were 19, when you were 20, when you were 25, when you were 30, when you were 60, when you were 75, if you're still grieving, if you're grieving a dead man, the scripture says, blessed are they that mourn. Why? Because you shall be comforted. Um, And I have seen God comfort me in ways where I just be like, oh, my God, oh, my God, yeah, you know, like he'll send somebody or he'll send a word or I'll get get a message or I just feel a peace. And I never will forget one Father's Day, we have gone out to eat to celebrate my husband, um, you know, which I thank God that he blessed me with a man of God that is a father to my kids. Like, thank you, Jesus. Um, and I was sitting in the passenger seat and I said, hmm, I'm not bitter. Amen. <laughs> oh, wow. 
you know, pinch myself. I am not bitter. You know, there's been times where I've looked up and been like, oh my God, the Lord took the sting away. Amen. It don't even sting me. What this, what just happened is pretty serious here, but I don't feel the sting of it. I'm not looking for you to do anything for me. In fact, I'm coming with gifts in hand for you. You know, I'm coming with prayer for you. I'm coming with compassion for you or, or you need assistance. I'm here to help you. That is the wonder of what God can do when we lay all our wounds and our pain and our hurt and our disappointment at the foot of the cross. And we say, God, help me, help me. Every time we need help, God, help me. He will come through. He will come through. And then you begin to realize that God is capable of being a heavenly father for you. So much so that he binds up the wounds of the brokenhearted. And, and you're like, oh my gosh, how did you do that? Or he gives you comfort or you sense him fathering you. Uh, an invisible, uh, a, a God we can't hear, we can't see, we can't touch him, but you can sense him fathering you. So be encouraged, be encouraged today. Um, you know, I, I hear you. I heard you. I heard you when you were describing it. I, I heard the pain, mm -hmm. um, you know, and I just want you to know that God sees, he knows, and he's there. I love that the scripture says he is Emmanuel. He's with us. He is with us when we grieve, when we cry out to him, he is right there. And he's concerned about every single intimate detail of our heart. Mm, it's beautiful. Yes. Thank you so much, uh, Kia. Your words are very encouraging to me. And I know encouraging to our listeners. So thank you. I feel like we need another hour with you, Kia. But um, I have okay. one. <laughs> I know I have one more we do want you to come back um closer to your book release because okay. yeah if we if we I feel like we need to book you now because you're gonna be booked up girl you're gonna be booked up but let me ask um and and you you tied it in so nicely just talking about and, and referenced it even earlier about how you know as adults we have to take ownership of wanting to have a healthy relationship with our father but then also too can you talk a little bit about um, finding the balance where sometimes we may need to implement boundaries with yeah. our fathers if, you know, the relationship is extensively not, you know, yeah, sometimes we just may need to implement boundaries. So can you talk a little bit about finding that balance between taking initiative and ownership for your own healing, first and foremost, but then also trying to lay a foundation for a healthy relationship with your father. But also, if you have to exercise boundaries, what that would look like and in, on what's, under what circumstances would you need to do that? Mm -hmm. I'm so glad you brought that up. Uh, you know, I tell people, for me, I felt like Actually, I don't even want to say God was leading me to do this, to pursue my father. It was me. It was my own drive of like, I'm about to get me a father-daughter relationship. This is the last thing I do. I will get one. You know, so I was driving that ship. But I do not encourage people to do that. I'd be like, do not do that. Um, you really need to count the cost. Um, and when I say count the cost, let's, let's make an evaluative list 
number one, is my father addicted to a substance? You know, is, is he addicted to drugs and alcohol? Okay, so that's number one. Number two, um, is he abusive? You know, is being around him going to be toxic and detrimental for my emotional well-being? Um, it, so we need to set some boundaries as it relates to that. You might not be able to even be in his life um, physically. You know, you might have to do letters and cards. And that's all you can do. Or one call on Easter, one call on Christmas. Um, is my father going to ask me for money? Do I need to set some financial boundaries? Am I a single woman? Am I married? Do I have children? What do I want my children exposed to? Can my children be alone with him? Do I want to go in his house? Do I want to meet at a restaurant? These are all things that you really have to begin to evaluate prior to engaging a relationship with your father if he hasn't been there. Um, but certainly, listen to your knowers. Um, I, <laughs> I learned by tribulations because I remember I remembered I went to visit my father and one time and, and he had a visitor and I think the Holy Spirit had got a megaphone and was saying, don't go in the house, don't go in the house. And I was like, Holy Spirit, I ain't listening to you. I'm going to go in this house. Went in the house and what I experienced brought me grief, you know? Mm -hmm. And it was like, the Holy Spirit is like, I tried to tell you, no, he wasn't like that, but it, it, it was, I overrode my knower, my intuition, you know, based on my experience with him, based on what I knew, based on who I knew was in the house, you know, so I think that especially for those of us who are believers, and even if you're not a believer, you know, you have intuition, uh, God will forewarn you and say, this is not a good idea right now, this, this is not a good idea ever, this is, this is not a good idea because in, in pursuit of our father and loving our father, we should not be um, putting ourselves or our family or our kids in harm's way. Um, so yes, and if you're not sure, you might need to get a counselor. You might need to get a book. There's a boundaries book. I think it's the Townsend, Townsend Brothers. I don't, I don't know. I know they got a podcast or something. Google it. If you could find somebody that's going to teach you how to have a boundary, you might need a good friend. Your friends will shut it all the way down and be like, oh, no, honey. Thanks. Why <laughs> is my friend? She'd be like, I will shut it down. <laughs> <laughs> no, those are great, great tips. I just wanted to add that because sometimes we, yeah. to your point, will override that out of our own desire to have a, a father or to just, you know, be, uh, to try to be the bigger person when it can sometimes be to our own detriment. So thank you for that tip. So whew, this has been rich. This has been rich. Toya, you have anything else before we close out? Whew. No, um, for noble character, I just want to recognize Ryan and my stepdad. Um, Ryan Moore is an excellent daddy, father to our four kids. He is emotionally, spiritually, physically, financially there. Um, so I am a blessed, blessed, blessed woman. I know it is rare um, since I've experienced like a blended family and the different things that I've experienced. I pray, pray that my children will not have to experience those type of father rooms 
Um, and I want to shout out to my my stepdaddy or my dad, um, <laughs> MC Worthen, for being um, just an amazing daddy. Um, never ever letting me feel like I was a stepchild, um, and he's just just an awesome man. I had I, I'm blessed that to have had that experience um so that uh I I knew what type of man I wanted to kind of attract and to find or well he found me but I knew the type of man that I wanted to marry based on growing up with my my daddy that's awesome that is awesome um, I would like to dedicate this episode to my father. Um, I'm grateful that uh, <laughs> we were able to see things come full circle before he left this earth. And I'm grateful for the role that he did play in my life, even, even though it didn't look the way that I always wanted it to look at times. Um, and then I also want to shout out my uncles on my mom's side in particular, like they have stepped in and stepped up in ways that I could never have imagined, you know, um, my uncle Paul here in Atlanta walked me down the aisle when I got married. He's the person that Chris actually went and asked for my hand in marriage from. And he's just been an incredible support to me every step of the way, even up to this very day. Um, and so grateful for him, grateful for my uncle Terrence in Minnesota grateful for my uncle Ron in Texas, just grateful for having awesome men of God in my life that have stepped up to fill those gaps and holes in different ways. So, and then for our noble character acknowledgement, I want to acknowledge you, Mrs. Kia Stevens, because you have, as you have illustrated during this time, you have put in the work, you're still putting in the work as it relates to addressing your daddy issues. And not only for you personally, but you have now created something to bless other women with, you know, first and foremost, through your blog, through Entrusted Women, and now through your upcoming book. So we salute you because- yes. I know it takes work. I know it's not easy. I know it's still not easy, but you are doing the work. And as a result, not only have you been able to become more whole as a person, but you've ministered to so many other women in the process, including us just now. Yes. <laughs> My pleasure. Um, you know, God it's all God. It was not my original intention to set out to talk about this, you know, but he takes our pain and he makes it purposeful, um, you know, and he uses our wounds to become healing balm that will heal others. And so I'm, I'm honored to do so. Thank you for having me. Amen. Thank you for being here. Thank you. All right. So our BE challenge for next week, it, we gave you several steps. I should say Kia gave you several steps that you can take from writing a letter to, you know, choosing to forgive your father for whatever um, trauma or hurt or pain, you know, to, um, you know, actively taking steps to engage him. If you, you know, have identified those boundaries, all kinds of steps, but identify one of those steps, whether your father is still physically here or not so that you personally can be healed and made whole but then also too so that you know there can be a bridge built hopefully between you and your father 
And next week, we're talking about mommy issues or mommy ish. Um, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Becoming Eva Today. That's one word, and we will see you guys soon. Bye. Bye. <laughs>